on this week's Superhero Show show. We'll find out if the surprise season finale of The Walking Dead is enough to hold us over for the quarantine, if the tick is better than the tick or the tick, and if we are pumped for the season finale of Lock and Key. All of that and more on the Superhero Show show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every live-action television show based on a comic book or a comic book property. My name is Cassie, and I will be your host this fine evening or day, whenever you're listening to it. I am joined, as always, by my very good friends. First of all is Ryan. Hey, what's up, Cass? Just to let you know, you're uh, you're watching my Zoom right now, mm-hmm. and you're probably noticing that my head's bobbing all over the place. That's because I have dedicated my quarantine to learning how to unicycle, and so far it is going very well. What do you think? I'm thoroughly impressed, without a doubt. When are you going to step it up and start juggling stuff, though, at the same time? Because right now, right, I'm let's... not that impressed. I just want to make you feel good, but it can. when do you step it up? There is no thing that I say to you. There is nothing. Like, I will say that I got an A on my essay. Mm-hmm. I will say that I learned how to drive. I uh, learned how to speak Spanish. Where you won't say, okay, but then what about juggling? All right? Yeah. I can't juggle and speak Spanish at the same time. Just, I will only be proud of you the day you learn to juggle. And I don't know why I've set this clear path for you and you know what it will take and you just refuse to reach it. But, I mean, whatever. I don't mean to be the person that makes this joke, but is the Spanish word for juggle, juggalo? And does that <laughs> explain a lot to us? I don't think it does. I don't, I don't think it does. <laughs> I don't think it explains anything. Mike, do you think it explains anything? I think it explains nothing. Perfect. At all. If if every new trick that you guys learn came with either juggling or harmonica, what would you pick? What's harmonica. more annoying? Oh, oh harmonica. Harmonica, for sure. <laughs> I, I was given like somewhere between 13 and 27 harmonicas growing up for Christmas or birthdays. All in the Uh, same Christmas. (laughs) Because I think, also, same number with magic sets. Because I think my parents, instead of, like, trying to fight me to get out of my room, they just embraced it. And they're like, here's what weird kids like you like, right? And I'm... I'm so sorry to have to ask this question, but it's hard for me to talk to nerds like you, uh, me being the jock that I am. When you say magic sets, do you mean like Mm. wands and doves or uh, like mana cards of decks of things? Not No mana cards of decks of things. I'm sure if they knew that existed, they would assume it's the devil's work and would not want me to do it. So it was all about... But they still bought you the devil sticks, which has the devil uh, right in the name. And of all the bullshit they give me, that's yeah, I just sat inside one day getting grounded. Uh, and just devil sticked all day, and I was like, "I'm so good at this. I'm never gonna take it outside." Mike, did your parents just want you to get beat up more? Was that their only game plan? Yeah, they're like, "Well, we know we can't hit him, so but what if we <laughs> set him up for failure on his way to school?" But would wow. they? That's brilliant. <laughs> I have a lot to learn from your parents. Actually, I'm gonna call them up after this. I'm a Zoom call them. And then, like when I grew up, it, it was just it was kind of fight, fight clubbing. Like I don't want to purposely get in a fight, but I would just go to punk shows because then I could get the shit kicked out of me in a healthy way. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were saying that you went into basements for people who were like, and if this is your first time at Devil Stick Club, you have to Devil Stick. <laughs> Mike, would you ever hit anybody at the punk shows? Like the first time you hit somebody, did it feel good or was it on accident? It, wait, my my wrist snapped backwards yeah. into my forearm. It felt so good because I had never learned how to fight. And then for some reason, your leg bone popped out of your skin. <laughs> it's all connected. 
there's always that moment where like one you hit somebody accidentally and then they're like oh is this actually do you want to go and you're like no absolutely not i do not i would like to run you know what fuck this <laughs> fuck this mike let's, let's throw it on cassie cassie what's your fucking nerdiest hobby that you tried to learn uh, and before you answer let me guess i'm gonna say it's that thing where you have like the crystal ball in your hand and you like you Fu- move your arms fushiki? that's so much worse Are you t- you, fushiki juggling obviously you know i've got that down i did fire throwing and fushiki and it's actually made me a lot of money you did fire throwing for yeah obviously How do you throw fire you use okay so there's like little uh there's poi that has these little balls on a string that you can throw around or you get like a bow staff with fire on both sides you can do fire Holy rings. Shit. There's a whole bunch of fire. Even her nerd hobbies are cool. <laughs> this is bullshit. Well, anything's cool if you add fire to yeah. it. That's true. That was the way the- that I, the way that my Irish parents taught me to like throw fire was like put a gas soaked thing into a beer bottle and light it and then throw it at your enemies. <laughs> but I, I guess that's different different culture than what you have. We all have our roots, you know. Is that do, so? My house did get set fire on the other week. Are we enemies now? Oh no, that was that was I, I put a note in there that said not Ryan. Oh, no. I don't know. You, you didn't see that? Animal Crossing rules. I forgot about that. As long as there's a note in the bottle, we're all cool. I uh, I'm gonna stay away from that conversation because you don't talk about Animal Crossing? I don't know because it's too fraught. I I'm trying to imagine the amount of listeners that like the percentage of our listeners that are playing Animal Crossing, and I think I'm just gonna stay away from talking shit on that right now. Mm, that's fair. That's fair. So, you guys, we have, coming up this week, we have to talk about The Walking Dead as our main event. But before we get to that, we're going to go into a bullpen, have a little bit of fun before we suffer through The Walking Dead. Somehow, jumping from independent comic hit cartoon, the Tick animated series ran from 1994 to 1996. After its run, the nation had to suffer for five years without a Tick TV show until the four main creative forces behind the animated series, including Tick creator Ben Edlund, were given the opportunity to do a live-action series. The live-action show was different than the animated series in a number of ways, mainly that it was live-action and not animated. It also almost completely did away with battles and villains, instead deciding to focus mainly on a group of friends dealing with the everyday battles of being superheroes. Unfortunately, everything was against it. Stiff competition from huge shows like Survivor, lack of promotion, and a budget that was hard to control ultimately led to the show only airing eight episodes and leaving one unaired. But the show, like all shows, has developed a cult following and is still beloved to this day. Taste Buds, I ask you this. How does this compare to the recent Amazon show of the same name? It, I think, uh, Peter Serafinowitz, Mm -hmm. is that his name, Uh, owes a lot to Putty Mm -hmm. and how he is playing the Tick. I don't really remember the cartoon Tick, but there's definitely, you can see the through line from Tick of the early 2000s to Tick to the later 2000s. But other than that, there's not a lot of similarities. There's just kind of like some like the, some of the characters are the same. There's a whole bunch of new characters, but they make references that are still kind of the same. But it seems to be like overall, this version of The Tick is just here to be a little bit dumber. Like it's just pure dumb entertainment. But yeah, I, like I think that's ultimately it. Like not dumb as a pejorative, but what do you prefer? Mm-hmm. L- more dumb or less dumb? Because uh, the Amazon Tick, which we all loved, uh, really tried to like, it tried to be serialized. And it was all like compared to this, it was almost like, what if the wire, but the tick, you know, like it was crazy. And then this is just, we have uh, putty from Seinfeld. He's going to be real dumb. What do we do now? And there are some things that the 2001 tick does that I sort of actually prefer to the Amazon one. 
I I do really like that it owes not just to ticks and superheroes, it owes so much to 90s sitcoms. Because they're just like, what if we made friends, yeah. but they're all in costumes? These four motherfuckers hang out in a diner and just talk the entire time. And honestly, like, uh, I, I, as a, uh, I, I don't know, like an expert of superhero TV, I'm good without the villains in the battles. I would just rather have four people hang out in a diner and watch that than a lot of these fights that are clearly under-budgeted and over-edited. Did, did you guys get to the episode with the terror? Yes, yes. I did see the terror. And, and so we got the terror in the 2000, the late 2000s version, and uh, it was Jack Early Haley, and he was pretty terrifying for a comedy show. Uh, and this terror is 112. They force him out of retirement to fuck with the tick, uh, and he is not a threat at all. It was so sad and funny to watch this geezer fight. Like, this is the kind of battles I want. And Very non-battles. I hate to turn this conversation into this conversation, but I hope everyone learned a lesson from the three of us watching this episode from 2001, which is don't be on like Twitter and Facebook and on the phone and listen to how baby boomers think they're tough. Step up to them. See how old and fucking <laughs> crippled they are, and then just make them fall over. Guys, they have no power at all. Let's get None. at them. That's what they really played into, like, his old senile self. Like, I was really, once they made reference to the terror on this one, because I watched the Amazon one first, I was like, oh, we're getting this whole story. And then it was straight up just, like, a bit joke. It was just like, nah, he's old. He's old and watch him destroy him. <laughs> yeah, the, what, what, what's great about having, one, the, the basis of all of this, the origin is irreverent, and everybody deals with it irreverently. So there's no, like, oh, no, that's too sacred. We have to treat that with respect. Each version of the tick can do whatever the fuck it wants with it. And then you're just like, oh, I recognize that character. So it gives you that little dopamine. That's fun. But then they get to do whatever they want. And more shows and more properties should do that. Yeah, I think the thing that I uh, was thinking while I was watching it is that the tick is perfect. And I'm not trying to steal from uh, Patrick Warburton or Peter Sarah Finowitz. Like, they did great jobs. But, like, the tick as a character is just amazing and will always make me laugh. Mm -hmm. So what it comes down to is the side characters, you know, like which group was more successful there? Because I I will always watch someone Kool-Aid banning their way into a room and saying the single dumbest (laughs) thing they could possibly say. Or talking to a toilet, like having full-on conversations with a toilet. Always there for that. (laughs) The toilet is his Wilson. That's his neighbor on the other side of the yard that he gets advice from. One of yeah, one of the best things about the show is uh, because Tick is a child. Tick is a I don't know if it's low IQ or low maturity or whatever it is, um, but he doesn't have a lot of hate in his heart. So when he gets frustrated, it is so important. Like, you know, that toilet or uh, that new roommate who always plays the same techno song over and over and over again. That's a very big deal because Tick is upset now. Uh, how, how did the side characters work for you guys? We don't necessarily need to compare to the Amazon's Tick, but the, there's Lady, or Captain Liberty. Is that her name? And Batmanuel. And then this version of Arthur. I... Uh, the tick try the the Amazon tick. I uh, tried to do a lot, uh, like make sure that everybody arcs. Like we're gonna be uh-huh. a real show this time. Whereas this one sort of seemed like uh, a parody of a show, or maybe a lazy show if you compare it to the Amazon thing. <laughs> um, and I enjoyed um, the the two other heroes at first. So like the ones not Tick and Arthur, and then they got a little old, and then I was sort of bored when they came on screen. And it was it, it with with Captain Liberty, aka Janet. Uh, 
she seemed to like not arc as a hero, but like she started to get her own episodes. I did. I think they developed her more, and maybe she got like the dialogue better. Batman, well, I got over pretty quickly because he's just like sexy and wants to fuck everybody and has an ego and then they never went beyond that yeah ever that was the first the most fun i had with him was his entrance when he was like i'm batman well that got a chuckle out of me but then everything else <laughs> i was like I- i'm pretty done with this dude i can i can do without him just to go behind the scenes a little bit a little bit this show lost the license to those characters that character was called uh uh d die what's the german word for the is it is it just straight up die do? Do. Di- do? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, die Fledermaus. Da. da Fledermaus. And they, uh, uh, the other company was like, oh, you can't use that anymore. You can come up with the exact same character, but you can't use that name. Mm-hmm. And so they were forced to come up with Batman well. And man, was that a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Like <laughs> That lawsuit gave us Batman well. And in the pilot, he was great because we couldn't see how two-dimensional he was yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, at a certain point, him and Captain Liberty... They literally just start having sex on a rooftop yeah. in front of all the characters. <laughs> but then, yeah, uh, what it, it just turned into him being like that traditional Latin lover that is really nothing right. more than that. They did do more with uh, Lady Liberty or whatever, Captain Liberty. I can't uh-huh. fully remember Captain, her name. Yeah. But they did do more with her than I thought because she did start to get an episode where she was like, like she was still trying to like, they gave her a whole story about how she's trying to like date and stuff. And it's hard as a superhero. They And then like she was able to fight at some point. So I gave them more credit for what they did with her than I expected with how flat M- Batman well was. Do you guys want to know something fucked up? Uh, Captain Liberty, she showed up in the Amazon's tick. Do you know who she played? What? No, who? Oh. Lobsterculies. What? No way. no way. Yeah, same actress. That, that like, it's cool to be like, yeah, I'll be the other one. It's like, but my... F- my face isn't even in it. I have to be the lobster monster. The lobster monster that saves everything, though. And and something and, and like the the new tick probably did this a little less on the nose. How did you guys feel about treating superheroes, treating real world po- problems in the the lens of superheroes? So we got her being like, you can't date a strong woman, and it was just literally she's so strong she's a superhero. Or Arthur had to come out as super to his family, and they sent him to like. Gay reassignment camp. How did those work for you? Well, the gay reassignment camp had Dave Foley. Oh, so, yeah. So uh, I'm always going to be a fan of that. And yeah, like it probably wasn't what we would expect from a 2020 show. But, um, you know, we have to look at all the things that came out over the last 19 years that like uh-huh. sort of uh, worked off what the tick did. And I don't know. I'd like, I can't think of what was doing it in that way. Like the tick was in two thousand one. I think it's sort of important. Is that too lofty of a word? Important. <laughs> but what's great? It, it's not a very special episode of the tick. There's no like strings. Uh, it's treating. This is how dumb you all look. They're trying to fix them being superhero. Like it, it's the joke is never superheroes are gay. Yeah. The joke is this is how absurd you look when you're trying to fix somebody quote unquote from being gay. I just wasn't sure like how well it worked with the lens of just like how dumb like the dumb comedy that is this show for it to try to make points like that. I was like, I don't know if it's really going to get across to people with that like this like difference between the two. That's uh, Cassie. That's a good point. But what I started realizing while watching this is we see this as very broad and stupid and comedic. Because we have we have so much superhero con- consumption under our belt, and when I started, I, like I was watching this with my wife, and I started realizing that like, can she, someone who is not a nerd at all, even tell the difference? You know, like the way that TikToks 
<laughs> like a watch, uh, is that that much different than like how she sees uh, poorly written DC movies and how those right. characters talk? You know, it's basically the same, and that's that's why I sort of think it's right for parody. Like, let me sort of turn this dialogue up to eleven, and that's how the TikToks. I wish I could find a new face. Uh, but then also, here are these real-life scenarios that superheroes would have to le- legit deal with. And it's not the Watchmen. It's not, like, that realistic. Mm-hmm. But I-, I would say that it's also not, like, a Mel Brooks movie, you know? It's somewhere in the middle of those two things, and I think in an impressive way. And and mocking, like, in 01, that's the perfect time. To- there were so many bad fucking sitcoms in the 90s. That this is a perfect time to be like, see how stupid your sitcoms are? We're going to put literally capes and tights on them to show you how dumb your bullshit is. This was one of six Patrick Warbutton sitcoms in 2001. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Speaking of him, uh, let's take a break, and then I want to get right into his butt. Patrick Warbutton, at a certain point, Burton? I'm sorry, Patrick Warburton, at a certain point, sort of like became this character actor, but also had this persona. Does this feel exactly right up his alley, or do you guys see him doing interesting things with this role? And keep in mind that, like, we've now seen Peter Serafinowicz, you know, like, sort of define the role for our generation. I, I think that this feels just as much Warburton as Kronk from Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. He's these perfectly crafted characters for what he looks like and how he sounds like. He is a big bulk of a man who sounds dumb. No matter how he could say the smartest thing in the world, but just that voice and that baritone, <laughs> he sounds like a fucking idiot. That's what he is the perfect himbo, just like this dumb, buff, big guy with like a heart of gold where he is just made for this role and specifically like how this show is made to be. Can you guys picture the cartoon or the comic book character and then picture Patrick Warburton and notice the big difference? The cartoon hit his eyes. Yeah. So the tick animated has giant white uh, eyeballless eyes. And that was what the initial costume looked like. And then they saw Patrick Warburton. Like, you just lose a lot of him when you cover up the eyes like that. Um, I A couple times in the episodes that I watched... Uh, Arthur would be like, so I'm just going to go on this date or I'm going to go with my, I'm going to hang out with my mom or whatever. And the tick would be like, yep, bye. And then just follow him and like would <laughs> yeah. not leave his side. And it's that puppy dog thing that like very serious, capable of destruction, but still so dumb puppy dog thing that I think Patrick Warburton has and brought to the role. Yeah, and it, it did, like, thinking about the Serafinowicz, because I've seen him in other roles, and he can be, like, diabolical at times, it really does feel like he was trying to harness and channel Warburton. I think he did a really good job as future Tick, but I think Warburton, like, helped define what a live-action Tick could be. Mm-hmm. Is there a less appropriate name for a super sweet giant man than Warburton? <laughs> <laughs> like, why isn't he a four-star general? <laughs> um. I do want to. I do want to focus on the pilot real quick because I don't know if you guys noticed anything, but that seemed very, very different to me. So, like a lot of shows, they shot this pilot and then the rest of the episodes were uh, ordered by the network. But like almost years later, mm-hmm. did you guys see a difference in the episodes that you watched post pilot and the pilot? They felt more comfortable later. They, they felt more like, oh, we don't have to build this world. We can just be a sitcom about superheroes versus it felt the first one. It felt like really trying to like see how the world is. There are superheroes and he's leaving his job for one. Uh, it, it, it felt like most pilots do. Like we're really straining to explain what we're doing here. 
straining but still taking the time to be done like there was that whole opening scene with the tick where he's fighting a vending machine a coffee vending machine and that's like three minutes long of him and it just has these most (laughs) wild camera angles like at one point it's like from up under his chin at a sideways angle and i was so into it at that point i was like i know what this is about that's i think the big thing is the wild camera angles is Mm -hmm. that the episodes two through nine feel like tv shows and the pilot i do not think did um and maybe this is because while watching the pilot, I saw right away directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, uh, who made Get Shorty and Men in Black. But oh, wow. you can feel a movie director's camera in that episode. And it really does go away. Uh, we are introduced to somebody who I thought would be a regular, but was not um, Christopher Lloyd as uh-huh. Arthur's boss as he busts in. And it's got that like sort of Men in Black uh, sort of like... Uh, Barry Sonnenfeld clearly loves Robert Zemeckis, almost Who Framed Roger Rabbit, live-action cartoon feeling of weird angles, and you're going to know exactly who each character is by where the camera is, according to them. And I missed that when we got through when we got to episodes two through nine, when it was just four friends at a diner, you know? Yeah. Those other episodes, it's not even really like... A lot of our shows tend to do like a... We say like case of the week. This one is just like a bit of the week like there is no overarching thing it's just one random thing that they throw in in this episode and that's just what you're dealing with there there is no like overarching anything really besides the tick and arthur uh, okay and then last thing let's talk about arthur because arthur was clearly the main character in the amazon series right mm-hmm. so much so that uh, peter serafinovitz was probably imaginary or at least we talked about that for a long time does this character of arthur hold up as a lead ish I think I think he still is the entry point into the show, and he gets more of the storylines than anybody else. So I think they want him to, but I think Griffin Newman does a better job at making us want to hang out with Arthur than this guy did. Yeah, he definitely felt like the Griffin Newman one just felt more true. I don't know why if it's what I started with him, but that that's the character like that was my Arthur to me. I just felt more connected to that one. I will remind both of you that Griffith Newman has a movie podcast that competes with Pop Filters movie podcast. So, <laughs> oh, he's dog shit. This guy, there he is. He's dog better. shit. Yeah, he is stupid. What I do like is Griffith Newman basically spent a season learning superheroes are lame. Like after, and this guy learned it day one in the pilot. <laughs> he learns that superheroes suck, and then the rest of the time he's like, "But I'm still gonna be one, I guess." Uh, and that was an interesting take. Because it's superheroes are being an accountant. And it, between those two, even if they are shitty people, you're going to be a superhero. You can't be an accountant. Mm-hmm. You got the suit. It does let you fly. It does let you fly. That's why I love the tick versus coffee machine of the pilot. But um, I think if I had to pick one scene, it might be Arthur in that bar trying to uh, figure out who's who's Arthur, who's the moth, trying to like go through those conversations and talk himself into being a superhero. That's sort of what the tick is to me, you know? It's just like, mm. this is all dumb, but is it? It is. But is it? And that, that <laughs> back and forth, you know? All right, guys. We got to wrap up. I'm going to put you guys both on a debate team. And both of you have the side of this tick is better than the Amazon Prime tick. Cassie, argue for this tick. Argue for this tick? It's yes. just a really good, fun time. There is nothing that is going to like bring you down in any way. If you're looking for dumb, fun entertainment, it is this guy. He's going to bring you joy with every delivery and every line that he has. He absolutely sells it. So uh, if you look for a good time, this tick. Mike, counteract Cassie with the exact same argument. Yeah, you, you want... like These times are trying. You don't want 
necessarily a serialized show that you have to pay attention to. Maybe you want to be able to miss a couple episodes. And there are not enough sitcoms that are about nothing these days. And this one was fully making fun of that. And uh, it gives you the perfect insult for any time one of your friends wants to quit something. You now get to call them Adolf Quitler. And the tick in 2001 gives you that. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, it's just everything that me and my wife have said to each other over the last week. It's like, even if we weren't quitting something, it's like, okay, Adolf Quitler. Uh, are you guys bummed that this show did not come out in the late 70s? Would you have preferred that whole thing that the Hulk had of the music and the, the slow camera and everything? Absolutely not. No. The worst yeah, jokes. Yeah, could use a two-hour version of The Tick where nothing happens. <laughs> and that is The Tick. Thank you so much, The Tick, for being on the show as a thing we watch. When we come back, Cassie will have better segues. In the accidental season finale of The Walking Dead, the communities prepare for the battle as Beta leads his whispers and their horde toward them. Meanwhile, Eugene's group encounters Princess, a purple-haired, purple, furry, besweatered, exuberant new person. Taste buds, I ask you this. Did Princess shake the grim dark of The Walking Dead enough for you? And why didn't they introduce this kind of character seven years ago? The, uh, the main thing that I was thinking about while watching Princess uh, was what grade was Mike in when he was totally all about this girl. (laughs) Was it sophomore year? Was it senior year? It was hard to tell, but oh my God, did this have Mike written all over her? Because of like the Philly thing or just because of Mike? (laughs) Oh yeah. Like not only are we talking about somebody who dresses like they're 12 and why Mike is into that, we'll get to later, (laughs) but then coming out of the face of this purple haired, pink jacketed person was like, you better fucking back the fuck up or I'll fucking <laughs> yeah. kick your ass. I'm from so the tunnel or whatever you people say. <laughs> yeah, we all lived in tunnels in Philly. <laughs> fucking Morlocks. <laughs> tunnels made of batteries. It definitely hit different ages of Mike crushes based on a lot of things. But yeah, she she's Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim. Just Mad Max Fury wrote it up. <laughs> of course I'm into that. For me, I was into her because she was like a battle-hardened Bronx Katie Keene. And I was like, that's the character I'm going to latch onto. She was my saving grace in this whole episode. For me, she was a like badass with an accent, Lori Petty from Tank Girl. Uh, uh-huh. And yeah, uh, so we're all on board then, I guess. So we're all, we all love Princess. <laughs> it, it was hard to like... It's annoying at this point to want to not like a show, but Walking Dead has burned us too many times to think uh, anything could come of it. Thankfully, so much of this episode was still bad because it was The Walking Dead. <laughs> Thankfully, <But> yes. <laughs> one of our one of our years long, because the show has been on for a decade, critiques of the show is everybody has the same exact world outlook on the show. It's oh, whatever Andrew Lincoln thought about the world. That's what every character thought about the world. Everybody's like, well, let's be serious and angry all the time. And just to have one, just to have one in 10 years be like, what if we can still have fun sometimes <laughs> is a delight. They did I- introduce her as like she was losing her mind and that's why she's kind of like it. But right off the bat, she was like, hey, I need friends. Anything you guys want. I have hair dye. I got it all. Like from the instant she came on screen, I loved her. Yeah, that was that's very important because she has all the twitches, right? She's got all the like the eye things and like the the biting the fingernails and like uh, she's got all of those acting things down. But most people they run into say right off the bat, uh, 
other people you've met have killed you pretty bad, but I'm going to figure out a way to kill you worse than that. And for her, it was she was like more eclectic, more irreverent. And then also, I'm so lonely. So you know what? I'm going to I'm going to yeah. fight back my like uh, all of my crazy. De- she was alone for a year. If I am alone for 12 minutes, I will poop in my hand and put it on the wall. Uh, it, but she had the wherewithal to say, like, yeah, you know what? I need the friend so bad. Here is my gun. Do you guys know what a big deal yeah. in The Walking Dead, here is my gun, is? And and her, her intro of her not being sure if they're real, she's like, mm-hmm. you're hallucinations. Oh, how could I know? And then her test of that, she's like, tell me something I wouldn't know. What's the capital of Pennsylvania? And they answer very quickly. And she goes, would I know that? That made me legit laugh out loud. Yeah. I, for the record, would not know that. God, Harrisburg, no. I would not have gotten that. I don't know the capital yeah. of our state. I don't know any capitals. I refuse. <laughs> Sacramento. <laughs> so there I was... know all the capitals of the alphabet. Do you? I'm proud capital of you. Capital A. Wow. Capital B. Excellent. I, I could go on here. That's, we're all very impressed. Three more. <laughs> Do you, who, uh, the, so the group who meets her, it's uh, Ezekiel, Eugene, and a new character. New to us, at least. Uh and the woman keeps saying Princess is selfish. And I get that she's crazy. She could be dangerous. Those are valid critiques of a new person you're meeting. But she keeps saying, see how selfish she is. And there was no hints of that until like towards the end of the episode when it revealed she got lost. Didn't want to admit she got them lost. So she just said, let's keep going. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is relatable. <laughs> Do you think it was bad writing or am I missing something of why this woman was like, she's selfish? Yeah, It really stuck in my craw. It seems like a weird adjective. And I guess that how princess is selfish is that everything she is doing is to make sure that she keeps these new friends, you know? And I guess that is a little bit selfish, but in this world, pretty fucking forgivable, I would say. Not yeah. not your number one go-to insult about why we should not hang around with this person. No, she's selfish because she has just that much style and that much coolness during this apocalypse, and how dare she take all the style that is left in the world? Like, Doesn't she see how the rest of us are dressed? <laughs> We're in all in plaid shirts. I don't know why you didn't get the memo, and you have to look this fly, but here we are. I remember reading Princess in the comic book and automatically thinking, like, I don't know how they're going to pull this off on the TV show, but uh, the Princess in the comic book is, I would say, like, if a young, creepy, creepy for the audience... Uh, anime like uh, manga girl came into uh, a real life and she like she had those eyes and the, like that like that big talk action um, and I think that they actually believe it or not and I'm sorry Mike but I'm gonna compliment the show a little bit uh, based on the comic book they did make good changes where uh, like they they toughened her up and they made it more realistic crazy because in the comic book it felt v- much more out of place than in the show that's shocking. That just signed he should have quit the comic book forever ago, right? <laughs> like, to suddenly put a comic book character from a different kind of comic in your thing? Yeah. The problem, though, is that after he quit, it was just blank pages every month. Like, <laughs> well, what they do you... don't need to keep printing them. They could just stop. <laughs> he could oh, I don't life. think they learned, thought of that. <laughs> people have learned at this point that maybe we are The Walking Dead. So I know for... So Princess's intro, we were all into, but how did you guys feel about... So at the end, we realized that her... She had this whole emotional breakdown. We got like her whole backstory essentially of how like she's just never felt good enough and she wanted to go over the top to impress her friends. But like that moment that was supposed to be super emotional, like did you guys roll your eyes at that moment? Did Princess stay like did you enjoy her throughout this whole episode? No, Cassie. I had a very serious issue with somebody being so over the top only in an attempt to impress their friends. <laughs> that is something that rings not true to me at all. 
there was that part but it was it I think what bugged me was the fact that it was just like it was such a big moment and that the like the like that cowboy Eugene guy was like you know what we've been there and it was like this heart to heart hug moment I was like I don't I don't feel that I think I think it's actually because of what Mike said the uh, British Asian person Psylocke Uh we'll call her Psylocke um she was so down on her for all these reasons that like although everything she said was stupid it made the arc work because now I'm rooting against this person that's all right. already on the team and I'm sort of rooting for princess you know and even I love that Ezekiel immediately was rooting against the person on his team and for he's just like <laughs> I just like somebody who has some vivaciousness to them and I do so to so fill in for Cassie and every listeners didn't watch the whole thing Eugene lied when he got introduced to the show he lied and said he knew where there was a cure to all of this just so other people could help him survive Uh, before he learned skills so for him to be the one like hey man we've all been there i I actually did make a lot of sense because at least her lies didn't i guess her lies did almost kill people too but not for a year (laughs) he lied to his people for a year she just lied about getting lost for one second led them through a minefield because yeah eugene's whole thing was like well, just so you know, I can uh, cure zombieism, and I can make <laughs> spaceships. And they were like, oh, tell us how. And he was like, shit, I did not think you were going to ask that question. Uh, you won't understand. Please get me to Washington, D.C. Uh, we'll see how it goes. He was definitely the character that I rolled my eyes at the most. Like, when they were in that minefield, and he was like, oh, we're about to hit, a, like, a cascade minefield moment. And we were all like, what the fuck is that? And it's just when the bodies start setting off more minefields when they explode. Like, he's been in that fucking situation before. He was like, uh-huh, oh, yeah. a typical, typical minefield <laughs> cascade. I was like, who the fuck uh, is this Oh, as guy? we all know, a cascade <laughs> is happening. <laughs> this is... Right now, I'm just pissed because when we used to bring Cassie on shows and we would do 13 or 14 nicknames for her, Cascade uh, was never Cascade one of them. Cascade was a good one, and we never did it. It was right there, th- you guys. I actually thought that that was pretty well written and edited. Uh, just like it, I was a little unclear as to what a Cascade was, and then watching it happen was kind of cool. <laughs> and and then- the zombies were like, we got this. We'll show you. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got this. <laughs> Speaking of how did how no you go okay. speaking of the zombies though do you guys know what's happening on that side story like why can that guy blend in with the zombies just because he has like a zombie face is it all it takes is a limp and a zombie face and you're in with zombies yes that's it those are the whispers they they wear zombie faces then they wimp and that's they they only whisper uh, that's been going for for a couple years now and so this is Beta the new leader of the whispers because he helped Alpha get killed uh, they've thrown their humanity away. Except for Greek alphabets, those are their new names. <laughs> uh, and so that's why some of the whispers liked Alpha. They don't like his insane way of leading them. They liked her insane way of leading them. So there, there's fracturous. The, the the weird thing about me with Beta is at times he was whispering and it felt like he was talking to the horde of zombies, mm-hmm. like they were his Jiminy Cricket. Like he wasn't talking. There was no character near him and he was still whispering stuff at them. And yeah, I also thought you had to do all of this stuff with like a flute. Shouldn't there be some sort of flute involved some if you're going to lead all flute. of these people? Yeah. <laughs> and by zombie flute, I mean a, a flute that died and then came back to life. Obviously, we know what you're talking about. But yeah, I do not understand the science in, oh, he looks like us, but is smarter, so we will follow him. In, I'm trying to remember how they led them in the comics. I don't think they led hordes. I think they just walked with hordes. Right. To it, protect themselves from other people. Yeah, it was to not get eaten, not to like have a new army. Right. And this way, it's like, no, well, we'll walk, whoever's in front of us will stumble after. <laughs> but then there's like 40 zombies in front of him. Yeah. So they all just know, Wait, too. 
he just sort of knew that they were in the hospital, the the community, and then he just like go my zombie children, and they just like <laughs> fled into the hospital at the end. <laughs> yeah, there's moments where I find like I thought these were issues that I had with the episode, but then I would also do the same thing. If there's just a confident person in front of me who like acts like they know where they're going, I'm like, yeah, I'll follow you. This is fine. I actually, I rewound a little bit because I thought that they were all whisperers, you know. So I thought that they all had, they were all people with masks on. But then if you look at the group, like. There's very clearly people with like a third of a face missing and stuff. Right. So no, like he just has a zombie army, which is cool, and I want one. <laughs> That's what the your pop filter people are here for, Ryan. We'll be your we'll be your zombie army. That's adorable. Uh, yeah. Uh, the one other thing, like so, things that didn't work for me. There was that moment with Carol where the one person from the community tells her that like her superpower is being a lone wolf, and uh, I just want to know: Do I not need to go to therapy anymore? Is that a superpower? <laughs> is that what I should be taking away from this episode? Cassie, are you serious? Do you, like, is that you think that you're the Carol? The, you, car- the crazy lone wolf just off to the side? Yeah. You can't go five minutes without texting me and like saying, <laughs> like, hey, Ryan, did you think that was pretty cool, that thing that I did? <laughs> well, I need Am constant, I projecting right now? I need constant validation from you. But everybody yeah. else is just a lone wolf. I don't care about nothing. Every, every lone wolf needs another lone wolf to hang out with sometimes. <laughs> Hence Carol and Daryl's relationship. <laughs> Was there any, like, character duo or any character combination that you guys were into besides Princess? Like, I know Taylor always said The Walking Dead was back, but there was nothing besides Princess that would bring me to watch another episode. Same. Uh, I think, like, Daryl has fully graduated into Wolverine mode that now he has a little protege he can teach things. Mm -hmm. So it's, again, crazy that the show took a decade to give him a sidekick in that way. So what's her name? Deborah? Judith? Judith. Judith. I was almost there. <laughs> I used none of the same letters. Uh, so she is X-15? That's what you're saying? Yeah. she. Yeah, she's X-23. She's Jubilee. She's Rogue. And he is just always just been trying to do his version of Wolverine. There was... Because his, his whole speech, not only is he training her how to hunt and track uh, and listen, then he also tells her, like, it's okay to be sad about, like, losing people you love, but please don't let that stop yourself from loving other people because that's just what life is now. Like, it's just, it was very hammy fucking saccharine advice. And then we also had to watch too. Uh, like he is talking to Judith about her mom. It took me a second to figure that out, but it's, uh, did Gara? Michonne. Is her mom. And we know as humans that that human that acts on that show left the show. So he's just saying, I think I'm going to find her, even though we know that's not true. No. And we just have to watch this stupid, boring bullshit of this broken hearted daughter. Look, kid, at some point, all of us get caught up to the MCU and have to leave here. It's just going to happen again. (laughs) Well, you guys, that is all the time we have to talk about The Walking Dead. It was on Sundays on the AMC. When it comes back, it's probably still going to be on Sundays. Uh, Coming up next, The Pull List. And we're back for The Pull List. Our first show of the week is Vagrant Queen. Uh, On this week's episode of Vagrant Queen, the team has to land on a planet full of not nice people. Meanwhile, we get some flashbacks to when Alita and Isaac met. Taste buds, I ask you this. Did you see how the third act was handled? Yes. How, Mike? Do you want to, expl- do you want to fucking explain it to me? So uh, our heroes are in danger, and somebody else is in danger. And what did they have to do? So they, hear, they, they get captured on an alien planet, which as you do. And they, the whole time they're locked away, then there's this weird bunny guy who's also locked away with them. Because it's Bunny Day, everybody's talking about it. And 
There, you may it, we, you think it's going to be like a Thor Ragnarok situation that it's going to be like a death pit. You have to fight to the death. Gladiator and it, gladiator. Uh, and it turns out they are hanging up in cages above like fire and spikes, and they have to karaoke to survive. I know this feels like a weird term to say because they didn't like actually punch each other, but it does feel like based on their singing, who was better. It felt like some sort of combat karaoke. Combat karaoke Did you guys notice is that? What I would call it. Uh, which is a good idea. Uh, I would love to play some combat karaoke someday. Do you think that if you ever have done it, and I'm sure that you have not, but uh, if you had, do you think that what you were missing was a lava pit that you might drop into at any point? I think if I were to combat karaoke, say, at least annually, and every year we try to up the stakes, <laughs> I do think lava pit is the thing we need to introduce next time. How much is, like, if you just call your local vendor... The, whoever uh, you know, like whoever's in charge of this, talk to your insurance uh, for just a lava pit, please. How much is that? I would say so. I we just get like a baby pool. Baby pool's amount of worth. That's enough to to add some danger in. I was going to say twenty hundred thousand dollars. Twenty hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> this is my accountant, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Trust him well. It is. It's a situation you definitely got to do a DIY, build your own lava pit for sure, and the kiddie pool is. The, prime for it just put some lava in the little kitty pool and that's just enough yeah. to get people to finally fucking commit to the bit you know no the one thing i know about 30 dollars kitty pools at walmart is that they can barely hold water but lava is no problem no for problem. them at any point yeah absolutely no Ca- problem baby it's chemistry cassie i don't know why mike wants to talk about karaoke and combative karaoke so much so let me ask you this do you think that the second episode of vagrant queen handled the comedy did it feel more confident with its punchlines uh for me 100 percent. this was like this was everything i wanted from this tv show like as soon it took them like last week all i wanted to know was how long it would take them to like find their voice and everything and i think it was two episodes for me like in this episode i got was super like into all the characters we got more of their backstories i now care for all of them they're all precious and i would die for them i would die on a burning pit for all of them and just like all all the bits work. They, everybody was trying to do one-liners. Uh, everything about it. Yeah, I think they all your it. all your precious characters got more story, and all your opposite of precious, uh, freaky little dog people died right on the table. Got so. straight murdered. <laughs> Actually, confirmed murdered. And we find out that the rest of the republic thinks the asshole bad guy is an asshole bad guy. Mm. His bosses are like, please stop. Please stop doing the shit you're doing. But you know, like in Star Wars, it's shocking that that didn't happen. At some point, this is how you have Trumps. At some point, the Republic should have been like, Darth Vader's fucking nuts, guys. (laughs) Like, what is going on? Wasn't it? I think Grand Moff Tarkin does do that, and Vader chokes him. And that's not professional in the board meeting. I think it's Grandma Tarkin. Oh, Grandma Tarkin. Yeah, because you know how he's always always making those little scarves for you and stockings. (laughs) And stocking send you cards for every holiday, even the ones you didn't realize were holidays, like Arbor Day. Mike, did this feel too early for the flashbacks and the and the relationships? I, I didn't need them per se, but they didn't. They weren't as bad as like flash flashbacks or arrow flashbacks, that, like can get in the way in an annoying way. They they it was like okay, that's about what I expected, and it showed like I really like the dirtbagness of the two leads, mm-hmm. uh, and it fleshed out that they are pieces of shit and. Concluded, like, you saw that when they met, and then when they escaped the prison, there are two dozen other prisoners, and they don't let anybody else out <laughs> except the buddy guy, because that's who they've been talking to. He's the one friend. thing that, like, I think the show's claim to fame is that it's really showing that if you are a person that is like uh, Han Solo or uh-huh. Star-Lord, uh-huh. you're actually completely incompetent and an asshole all of the time. Like, you're not right. going to be the hero. You need someone else to be the hero. And, like... Tim Rosen on the show, uh, Isaac, is 
just it's not just that he's like piece of shit but he's hot but he's like he can he'll figure it out in the end he just sucks he's just <laughs> awful at his job yeah there is no moment where he like they don't give him any moment to be competent at all he can't even fill up a gas tank there is nothing this guy can do <laughs> they're like you know what hey he sucks ass here he is and i he put the it, gas nozzle right in his mouth and started chugging it. come on buddy what are you doing that dumb idiot i'd fucking die for him <laughs> And I do think that the, the one-liners and stuff are, are already getting better an episode in. And she, the music swelled. It seemed like she was going to have a real heart-to-heart with him about like why she is. She was like, do you know the first lesson I was taught as a queen? She's going to reveal something about herself. And he went, how to wait? <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it punched the air out of its own moment. It was great. One of the more complicated moments, I think, of this episode, that it was played as a joke, but I do think it's important, is that there's like a safety line, like middle school tag where if the bad guys are past this line, you can't do anything. Oh, so good. And Alita takes her whip and drags his leg over the line so that she can destroy him, you know? And I like that sort of like, I'll follow the rules, except I won't, especially if I can get away with it, you know? That's the sort of complication I sort of like in a lead character. Yeah. And what I like in a TV show is to physically have a line on the floor that you can see that you can <laughs> and cannot fight over. I'm so into that. <laughs> Oh, wait, do you mean a symbolic line? No, no, no. no. We're going to paint it on the ground. <laughs> it's a big, fat red line in case you missed it. It's right here. But there was, like, did, um, we talked about how, like, those two, Isaac and Alita, are big pieces of shit. And our only real hero is Amei, the new mechanic that's on there. And she is just this overly exuberant. She's kind of like the princess. Like, she just has all this joy no matter what's going on. Like, her joy over that little slow-ass robot brought me so much joy. <laughs> So, yeah, explain that scene real quick. Oh, yes. There's a scene where Amei goes to rescue the two, uh, our two piece of shit leads who are stuck in jail. And um, she gets distracted by this adorable little robot who they, ha- the people who run this place have just made to serve drinks, essentially. So uh, she gets distracted. They need to- she wants to give him the key. So she sends this little slow robot on a mission to give him the key. And it is this battle with the slow robot. It takes like five minutes of like she shoots the guy and this robot's just slowly going around as the guy is trying to crawl after this slow, tiny robot. And it goes on for so long. <laughs> He's basically uh, the store brand version of R2-D2, right? Just yeah. like just worse in every way. And yeah, uh, we want to edit fast. We want everyone to move quickly. But unfortunately, your, o- your scene is only as fast as your slowest person. <laughs> and so this guy just slows everything down. It was kind of awesome. It was. There was like... It's hard for me to like not just be like ramble on about this episode because like almost every moment felt like a moment of the week for me where, where everything is just so over the top. Like the whole the episode is called Yippie Kaye and everything goes on falls onto this move called the Yippie Kaye where they end up swinging from some type of rope thing and like knock somebody out. And this is how they get saved in a flashback and also in the present. Like that's amazing. <laughs> All right, let's go to Saturday afternoon TV show talk. Um, Mike, we often like try to compare these to, uh, or all these shows to like Xena or Hercules or these like uh-huh. post Saturday morning cartoon shows. Uh, Tim Rosen, Isaac, jump, Bungie jumps out of a spaceship. Um, and it, did they try to make it look real? Do they care? <laughs> are, are they trying to like, just let everyone know what their budget is? Uh, yes. was it hilarious? <laughs> was it like, was it effective? what do you guys think of that action scene? Yeah, I think they are playing tongue in cheek also with their budget and they're like, Why are we gonna try? Like let's just like we know you know what this is. You're not here for like the stunning effects. Uh and yeah, that owning it works. Like just embracing what you are 
is always going to work for me more than trying to hide it ashamedly. And as much as I love him, as much as he is a shush Hall of Famer, I'm not going to say Tim Rosen has the most range, but the way that he does it of like, my character is scared, but me as an actor is not, and does all of that at the exact same time was kind of impressive, you know? <laughs> do you think that was a decision? I, I sort of do. Like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm not going to act well. I'm going to act Saturday afternoon TV show well. Mm-hmm. It's it's really the only thing that could work on a show like this, and I'm glad that they do know that because that it would be like beginning of Legends if they they can't take themselves seriously without a doubt. Yeah, but we don't have to have those first two seasons of Legends. Yeah. You know, Vagrant Queen is doing it right no now. Fucking hawk people <laughs> drama. <laughs> Straight episode two, we got right to it. Uh, do you guys have moments of the weeks though? Uh, starting with Mike. Yes. Uh, in the death by karaoke, combat karaoke, if you will. Uh, there's just a ring to that phrase. I do uh, like it. Yeah, they get they they the the bunny is just good, <laughs> and, but then they get so into karaoke that they kind of forget death is on the line. All three of them have their eyes closed as they're like harmonizing and just energetically into it. And I'm just like, yeah, that's how fucking good karaoke is, man. <laughs> and we should let everyone know that like it's not just karaoke. Uh, this is starships. Uh, if we build this world together, I can't remember the name of the song, but just the perfect song for this situation yeah. and, na, 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 na. and that song once they get out of the cages and they start fighting then the actual song comes in and we get to watch people kick ass to that song it's amazing ryan what is your moment of the week uh my moment of the week has to i, I feel like that vagrant queen is going to have one of these every week um the capable optimistic mechanic what is your name again amay amay um alita is like no we gotta do this she says something along the lines of like I have a lot of red in my ledger. And Amay right away is like, yeah, we know. We, you say that all of the time. <laughs> like, just shut the fuck up, dude. You can't just, every time you walk into a room, you can't just say that line. We get it. Yeah, she's oh, there there's to- a lot of blood on my hands. That's what it is. Yeah, she's there to call her out on all of her shit. It's so good to have her, that character. Uh, my moment of the week is going to be, so what that little robot, the drinks they serve is this like piss yellow drink that is obviously nasty, but they've been, uh, Isaac has been drinking it this whole time and they do, when they do escape, Isaac has a glass in his hand and he does not drop it. It, Like they are in a gunfight even outside and he still has that piss drink in his hand. And that is my moment of the week. (laughs) Uh, if you guys want to watch Vagrant Queen, which you should be, it is on Fridays on sci-fi. Our next show is Lock and Key. On the penultimate episode of Lock and Key, Lucas slash Echo slash Dodge is on a mission to get the key for the Crown of Shadows. The only people standing in the way are those pesky lock kids and that darn Ellie, who has decided to not suck and finally fight. Fortunately for Echo, though, that darn Ellie is the perfect pawn who ultimately leads them directly to what they want. Taste Buds, I ask you, can you guys believe that there was somebody that I hated more than Bodie in this episode? Was it? It Ellie? was Ellie, you guys. Listen, I know you guys are allies. Allies, you wanted the good ones, so you Ellie wanted, ally. Ellie ally. Ellie ally. I know you don't want to trash talk women, so I will write on this one. This chick sucked, you guys. In this episode, she didn't do a goddamn thing. Like, not not only did she not do a thing, she did do worse and has been doing worse this whole time. Because I do think uh, lock and key, as many things, uh, is it's using magic to represent real, like real things, like tragedy, how you can't let people go, all that. And this one, Ellie. Her weakness with Lucas Dodge Echo... Is that she cares too much? She cares too much. Uh, Her weakness is Papa Roach. She 
There are real people who can just never let go their significant other from fucking high school. Yeah. This is 20 years later. You have a kid, you idiot. And you still let that memory root. And that's, she's just the manifestation of that weak sauce. All right. Couple things here. One, Cassie, I appreciate you finally admitting uh, how you come, came onto the show. You were a longtime listener. Yeah. Uh, and then at a certain point, you kicked open the door to the studio and said, you guys don't talk enough shit on women. And then took <laughs> over the show. So finally somebody does. And two, I love how many of these shows and movies you guys have watched. So you think you will handle every situation perfectly. Mm-hmm. Ellie is a normal ass person oh, no. who has been traumatized <laughs> and maybe can't make the best decisions at the right time. She's, She's just a normal person. A normal. Fu- a, this is a grown ass adult who knew knows about keys. The key is called the fucking Echo Key, and she was like, "Let me bring back my high school boyfriend because this won't be creepy, and it's for sure going to be the whole fucking thing." She's She's a horn dog, and she lives in a tiny town. <laughs> But the, the, the creepiest part of Ellie is not that she's fucked up and everything that's happened in the show so far is her fault. Uh, <laughs> is when she's a little sad, she leans on Lucas, who st- who is a ghost and still looks like he did in high school. So we have this woman in her 40s yes. and this kid in high school. That is creeptastic. She like caresses his face. It was the hardest thing to watch. I hated every moment of it. If Mike, if you think that's gross, now I actually believe that you have not been on a porn site in years. <laughs> Not since Alt Five, <laughs> but there was like she she did aggravate me because like last week we said that um, we found out that it was Lucas who killed Joe, and we said that Ellie was there to try to stop uh, Lucas from doing this. But turns out she just stood there, stood by there, watched it all happen, like just kind of screamed, and then like she straight up like Lucas escapes with that key that makes you go through any door and leaves her there. And at that moment, like that should have been her turning point to be like, okay. Like, fuck this, fuck this thing. And yet, she did nothing. At some point, you have to say, all right, you know what? Tomorrow, I'm going to do what is right. <laughs> like, I'm going to have this night where I just give all the bad guys all the weapons, but tomorrow, I'm going to do what's real. Do you guys blame, like, do you guys uh, do you guys think that Ellie is a bad person as a character, or do you guys blame bad writing, and they're just hinging everything on Ellie as hard as they can? Well, I mean... If the story is the story, Ellie started everything. I guess, like, I like her not cackling and being into it so we get, like, a mini-boss out of her. Like, her being regretful and just weak, I would just like the show to deal with it a little better. I love that Kinsey, uh, who looks at it and goes, cut the bullshit. Like, <laughs> early on in the episode, she's like, we all know what's going on. Tell me what the fuck is up. I see all your shit. And Ellie's reaction to Kinsey saying that is like, you can't talk to adults that way. Yeah. No, fine. Do whatever. T- go ahead. Talk to me. <laughs> Do whatever. One like one of Ellie's like uh, I don't know moves that you could sort of back up is that she calls Intro Man. She calls the guy uh-huh. who we met uh, in the very first scene of the show and like is on the phone and like hey just so you know there's danger coming and then listens to him kill himself. She's like <laughs> God damn it I can't do anything right. <laughs> yeah she fucks up even when she's trying to do the right thing. There was and. She should have packed her. She tried to get Rufus and pack her bags to go, but this is weeks into Lucas Dodge Echo being a piece of shit monster. She should have done this so long ago. Yeah, and it took Kinsey's punk self to try and finally convince her. Like, all right, I guess I'll I'll help you guys. There was uh, so this mo- this show tends to have like some like scary movie moments, and there is like scary movie moments where you realize that the the people die in the dumbest ways because they act dumb. And I'm just glad we got that brief scene of 
Joe died because he stood out on that porch outside that window taking photos of Lucas and just stood there like he didn't try to hide. He was just standing dead center in the window with his phone out. <laughs> and, he, and what did he think was going on? That's some like big Bigfoot hunter bullshit. <laughs> like, like. Also, he could have just texted that photo out. He didn't need to be dramatic and be like, meet me at my place. I got something to show you. Yeah. Like, it's already on Cassie, the phone. he is... He is over 55 years old. There's nobody that he knows. He, it, like, what, he thinks he's holding a sandwich. Nobody knows why he's hitting buttons on his sandwich. Uh, uh, going back to Kinsey real quick, um, and all of like Kinsey and Tyler running around, did you guys feel like we're forming for the last episode? We're forming the Goonies? Like, yes! That's, all I, all yes! the kids are finding out about everything, and we're going to get the goddamn Monster Squad to come in here and handle the day. Kinsey was like, no, we can't tell anybody. And Tyler basically was like, have you seen the Goonies? We need our friend's help. <laughs> These people do not have skills. I think he just doesn't want to be with his family anymore. What's the what's the bully girl name? Uh, Eve or something Sunday. like that? Let's say it's Eve. Uh, Eve's like, hey, what's going on? And Kinsey's like, I can't tell you. You know what? Here's what's up. Get on the team. <laughs> yeah. it, like the, the, the movie kids make sense. And uh, Jane, like everybody they've been friends with makes sense. But then they're like, Eve too, why not? <laughs> like, you're here. Because uh, Kinsey's fear has been still running around since killing, uh, going after Sam and attacks her again. And Eve thinks, Kinsey dressed up like that and attacked her again. <laughs> like, I really appreciate all of the makeup you put on to scare me, but still, please don't scare me. <laughs> but what, what I love is that this is like a big Kinsey arc episode is she is apologizing to people. She's admitting to people like what happened with her fear and then she is learning she's like this is definitely my fault and then turns to the two boys yeah. she's been leaning along and goes what if i date both of you she's like i'm such a selfish bitch but wait <laughs> what if guys and uh, did we see their reaction they were both kind of like i felt like the taller guy the the original guy is scott. like scott was like that's weird, but the shorter guy was like, all right, yeah, let's do yeah, this. Gable take anything he can get. 100%. He's like, I guess, yeah, two. And so I had no one, and now I'll have two, I guess. But we did we did get a lot of reveals in this episode, one of those being that um, the nickname Dodge came from Ellie because Lucas fenced back in the day, and I guess you dodged during then. How did we feel about that? Out of all these big reveals, that's the one I latched onto, and I was not into it. There's there's so many reasons to be afraid of uh, Lucas. He just has all these powers. But the scariest one is fencing. But also, not just fencing, but also like fencing defense. He can dodge <laughs> yeah. an epi? What is it called? Epe? A, yeah, a foil? Like a tiny little sword. A tiny little sword that when you stab someone, it just bends and doesn't hurt. Boing. He, yeah, it's a, just like, so now we're afraid of like a self-righteous rich high schooler? Because yeah. that's all fencers that's are. <laughs> But with long hair. So he's also got a little bit of surfer attitude. There's multitudes to him. Uh, Ryan, do you have a moment of the week? Yeah. Uh, uh, my moment of the week is uh, nonstop watching Tyler's face every time it's revealed that Dodge is a girl and a boy and a demon and a ghost. And uh, at one point, he just straight up says, like, oh, is he? Is she? And then I just I was staring like, can you please <laughs> react to the fact that you put your dick into the literal definition of evil? Like you you fucked evil, and he's he's trying so hard to be like, um, he's gonna he, he's just he's gonna think about it later. Of the jaw, yeah. just like mm-hmm. <laughs> this is fine. I'll deal with this later. Uh, I have a tie for two. Uh, one is very quick. Is the person who told Ellie that Rendell was dead uh, added a. 
frowny face emoji. <laughs> That's not a great way to tell somebody your, your lifelong friend is dead. Don't fucking bring emoticons into this. Well, what if they thought it was sarcastic or funny? Now, now you know. Oh, you should be very should serious about this death text. Uh, and then the second one, this is the dumbest thing I think this show has done, and one of her shows has done in a long, long time, is uh, just the most on-the-nose Billie Eilish, you should see me in a crown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Musical choice when Lucas Dodgeco finally puts a crown on. He puts that crown on and then also says, hello, darkness, pauses. My old friend. <laughs> Are you serious they, right now? Was it that they thought they were going to play that song? Couldn't get the rights because it's too expensive. So instead, they're like, "Well, we know this other song that's going around right now." I honestly think that the Billie Eilish song was on the nose, but felt cool. Uh, the powers look kind of cool. The Simon and Garfunkel reference was awful, and the crown looks so stupid. How can you combine all of those things? <laughs> uh, that was almost my moment of the week. Uh, I have also have two really quick ones. My first moment of the week is when uh, Kinsey Sphere went after that popular girl and all the kids were around and they just grabbed lacrosse sticks and started beating the shit out of her. They were just like, the lacrosse sticks were there and they're like, I know exactly what to do in this moment and started beating her. And then my other moment of the week is when Bodie straight up said he's not a dumb little kid anymore because I audibly laughed out loud at that. He's a fucking idiot. Uh, oh, and I do want to give a shout out too. Like we always talk shit on jump scares, but when Eve was in her room and pulled the curtain back and fear Kinsey was there, Ooh, I, I made I made a little squeal. Yeah. Like uh, there was a, there was a noise from my body. It got me. Uh, Lock and Key is on Netflix. You can watch it whenever. And that is it for the pull list. Just two shows, you guys. So we have done it. We have reached the end of this show. Mike, tell us about every single episode that or every single website that a person would want to go to. And every episode of Superheroes. Yeah, <laughs> some of all up, please. Uh, you could go to yourpopfilter.com to hear every episode of Superhero Show Show, plus every other show we make, plus articles. For throwing a slash Amazon, no, we're not doing that. We're boycotting that, so fuck it. Instead, go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter, uh, pick a tier, and we'll give you content for that tier. Ryan, if the people like the show, what should they do? They should absolutely rate and review it. Please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. Write a little thing that really helps us out a lot. Also... They should go to rate your podcast. Rate this podcast. Rate this podcast.com slash superhero and let us know how we did there. Also, if you liked it, uh, make sure that you catch more of me and Mike on the OCD every week where we go through every single episode of the OC. Or if you like me and Mike and you think Cassie should be worse at hosting, listen to Movie of the Year where Greg does his best Cassie impression and we talk about so many movies <laughs> and Mike if people want to get in contact with us how can they do so you can find us on social media at your pop filter on Twitter and Instagram or if you like long form messages contact at your pop alright you guys next week we are going to finally talk about the lock and key finale there's everything has been leading up to this I'm super excited and pumped for it and uh so pumped, so pumped. That's it for this episode. Next week, be sure to tune in for that. For Cassie, I'm Cassie. For Ryan, I'm Cassie. For Mike, I'm Cassie. And for you, I am Cassie. Bye, everyone. Bye.